Okay, good evening, gentlemen. Welcome back. Getting back together, wrapping up another amazing, wonderful week in the right way, in the perfect way, the most amazing way possible, the amazing company, amazing challenge, and something amazing in liquid form from Shemaim to help wash down this amazing challenge into a company, the beautiful company, the Chavrashapt over here. So, L'chaim Taivim L'shalom Rabbi Saib. Wrapping up not just another week, but wrapping up another book. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Leviticus? Leviticus, the whole Leviticus is about to, about to conclude over here. Bahar B'chukaisai, big week, double header, finishing off an entire book. And, and, and not only that, means we are past the halfway mark. We're, we're three-fifths of the way through the Torah. That's crazy. Three-fifths of the way to another completion of yet another cycle. So, L'chaim Taivim L'shalom to... Uh, Many more get-togethers to many more happy occasions and Torah share together and to good times and good company, Rabbi Isai. To muchness and to Shefa. Baruch atah do yinoi lehim al chaylem shakoni b'dvarek. To much muchness, much muchness, always. Okay, so let's get down to the business. Bahar b'chuk kaisai. Let's look at b'chuk kaisai maybe. Let's look at b'chuk kaisai. And Bechukaisai is a parsha of two halves. A parsha of two parts. Bechukaisai begins with beautiful reassurances, promises, guarantees, brachas. In Bechukaisai te leichu, tishmaru, vasisam oisam. All we have to do is listen to the Rebbein Shalom. What are we going to get? Excuse me. We're going to get from the Sati Geshmechem Be'itam. We're going to get rain at the right time. Nasnarts Yavula, Veita Sadi Itan Piriyoy. Trees of the field will yield their fruits. And the Psukim go on and on to tell us, you know, how we're going to have such a bounty, such bumper crops, such bracha in our, in our, uh, in our uh, handiwork that we're going to have to, you know, we're going to be literally out of space and not know what to do with last year's grain that's stockpiled because of this year's grain, etc. That's maybe the first half. The second half, of course, of the Chukaisai is very sharp contrast. Is what we call the Teichecha, the great rebuke, the curses, the calamities, the awful graphic descriptions of what's going to occur and what Kleis was going to encounter if the Chukaisai Timasu if we don't listen to the what the opposite will look like. So, very sharply contrasted both halves of this parsha, And we could say it's indeed a, par- a parsha that comes in two halves. But, problems like this. Let, let's dwell on a problem. If we have enough time, to, I think there's two basic points that have to be explored over here in, in, in Bukhu Kaisai. Two different points, two different ideas. But both very, very fundamental. And let's take them one at a time. The first, the first problem is like this. We are describing on the one hand the Bechuk Kaisai as a parsha in two acts. In two acts, there's the brachas and the klalas. The problem is, two acts, maybe two halves, that would be an incorrect way of describing the parsha. Did anybody ever count up the psukim that are in Bechuk Kaisai besides Rebbein How many... 78. 78. How many psukim of those 78 are occupied with the bracha? In the Chukai Zaytei Lechu. How many psukei bracha are there? The first 
You don't, you don't know. I, that's you don't. You can't tape. You're being recorded. <laughs> okay. Well, Rabbi Shmuel didn't say he doesn't know, because he's. If you want to know numbers, he's the numbers. He's our local gematrophile. Our gematrophile over here is Rabbi Shmuel. Um, I'll tell you how many psukim there. I don't know offhand either. Uh, that I'll. I'm fine. Okay. I'm okay saying that on tape. Um, if you want to count the first one, which is what we need to do, the Chukai Zetelech from Mizrahi Zetishim Ruvasi Samaisam, we have a total of 13 psukim. From Gimel to Yud Gimel. And if you don't count that one, if you talk, count the, the brachas themselves, there's, there, there are, I'm sorry, I didn't say 13, 11. And if you only count the brachas themselves, there's 10. Grand total of 10 psukim of bracha. Psukai bracha, the psukim of the blessings. So, so they occupy 10 psukim worth of space in the parsha. How many psukim do we have for the Teichacha, for the Klalas? For what? Say that louder. Yes, that's right. That's what I wanted to hear. No, Rebbe is right. The answer is a lot, a lot, a, a, a whopping amount of psukim are there spent on the klalas. Pasuk Yodalit in Perek Chavav. Um, all the way to. Memzal, it depends where you want to stop. The last couple of psukim are, are um, consolations, maybe reassurances, a, a glimmer of hope. So maybe let's not count those. But even if we don't count those, we have 30, 30 psukim. 30 psukim, 48 curses, that's right. And that's without even going to the second taichach on Parshas Kisave, where we have 96. Double. Double. Yes. So uh, it could be it's 98, but it's double that we have in Bechuk Kaisai. And, and uh, we have triple the amount of psukim are dedicated to all the catastrophes and calamities, suffering and destruction, as are dedicated to the bracha. What's going on over here? That already just immediately presents a question. Rebind the Shulaylam, you want to give us bracha, that's beautiful. We'll take all the bracha we can get. We'll take all the Nasati Geshmech and Beitam we can get. But but uh, 10 psukim, then the Genukshoin, we're done with the, with the bracha. Now let's move on to the clause. What happens if you don't listen? Boom! Wham! Wow! 30 psukim on Klaus and only 10 psukim on bracha? That, that's already a question of itself. We know Bader Klaus, even without citing this chazal, it's already very bewildering. It's, it's, it's like, 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 like. The psukim themselves are already shockers. They're very shocking psukim. Very, very jarring psukim. And there's three times as many of them. And then we know Chazal always tell us, Midas HaToiv Merupa. Right? We, we know that the Rebbeinu Shalom's Midas HaToiv is, is always greater. Hashem's inclination and proclivity to bless us and to do good with us is always greater than Hashem's, um, Hashem's propensity to punish. The, the 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 predilection of Hakadosh Baruch Hu to reward us is always greater than that to punish us, and yet in the parsha we seem to see the very opposite: thirty psukim of kolalos, ten of bracha, and we have we have forty-eight individual curses, and we certainly don't have that many blessings. We're not going to count those up now, but the Torah only manages to dedicate ten psukim with the space of the blessings, and we have three times that amount of of curses. Haloi Dovrhu. Aina Parsha Zaimer Elo Darshani. Haloi Dovrhu. What's the Pshat? What's the, what's the idea behind this this disproportionate um, amount of 
curses versus blessings, it seems to go against what Chazal tells us. It seems to go against what what um, we know of how Hashem normally interacts with us, and it goes against our instincts. It, it just it doesn't doesn't sit well. What's the Yisoyed Hadzvarim? What's the lesson of the parsha, and and what's indeed the greater idea? going on behind the scenes over here, that results in such a gross disproportion, we have three times as much space in the Torah dedicated to the Kalelis as we do the Brachas. Vasepis. So, let's try to explore that together and see what we discover. So, um, so right off the bat, what, what's the Teichach all about? What's the function of the Teichach? What's the purpose of the Teichach? Why indeed do we have this not just once but twice why do we have so many different places in the Torah that are so preoccupied with, and then this is what's going to happen, and 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 then I'm going to, you know, send the going to do this, and I'm going to send your enemies to do that, and I'm going to give, this is going to happen to you, and, and this kind of crazy disease, and this kind of pestilence, and this kind of crap blight, and this type of, 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 of attack from the enemy. What's the pshat in that altogether? What's, what's, you know, the theme of the Teichacha? What's the Torah trying to do with the Teichacha? And ask differently, why isn't just like one or two curses enough? Why, forget about the other question that we asked, why is this, this great disproportion between the brachs and the clothes? Why there's so many overwhelmingly more curses than blessings? So putting that question aside, what's the point of the curses altogether? In general, Averis have Einshim, right? If someone's Michal Shabbos, he gets what? What happens if he's Michal Shabbos? What? Oh, no, not Makas, no. Skiva. Skiva. Stoning. That's right. That's right. Somebody takes out the chickpeas from the three bean salad on Shabbos. Because he doesn't like chickpeas, we're going to throw racks at him till he dies. What? <laughs> he's gonna be missing quite a lot. He's gonna be missing quite right. He's gonna be missing quite a lot if he if he attempts to do that on Shabbos, right? So uh, the Torah is quite clear about what the Einshim are, right? Shabbos, Chal Shabbos, you get Skilo. You do have a Dazar, you get Skilo. You eat Treif, you get Malchus. There are things you get Malchus for sure. So we have the Einshim already. The Torah already gives us punishments. Well, what's the word of the Toichacha? What's the word? What's the word? What's the theme? What's the idea in the message? And on the surface, it looks like it's scare tactics. It looks like a Kodesh Baruch who's trying to scare us. It looks like he's trying to, to shake us up and, and he's trying to Prevent. scare us into submission and saying, uh, you know, guys, it's, I wouldn't mess. Don't start up because this is what's going to happen if you guys mess. If you don't do the mitzvahs, you know, it's not going to end well for you. So you better listen. And that's what it looks like on the surface, that the Torah is scare tactics, which also doesn't sit well. Since when is the Rebbeinu Shalaylam, you know, into scaring us into submission? That's how HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants us to listen. That's how he wants us to be his, his subjects. He wants us to be his subjects via scaring us into submission. Like, you know, let's take a step back and ask ourselves. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we shouldn't answer this publicly. Oh, very good. The mountain coming down. Ramesh is asking another question. Yeah, what Hashem want with the mountain? He's trying. He says, you know, accept the Torah grave. If you don't accept the Torah, what's going to happen? You guys going to be, uh, as my kids say, smashed potatoes, right? Smashed potatoes. That's what's going to happen to you, right? That's also an excellent question. That that seems to be the same thing. Now, is that how 
the Rebbeinu really wants us to listen. He wants us to listen because we're too afraid to do otherwise. <coughs> and so the, what I was going to say is like a parent. Does a parent wants his kids to listen to him for sure? But is that really how a parent wants his kids to listen because they're too afraid to disobey him? That's what the parent wants to be. And so again, we shouldn't answer this because maybe some of us are thinking, yeah, of course, of course, it's what I want, right? That's 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 the point. Isn't that the point? Isn't that the point that my kids should be terrified of me? So you know, it depends what kind of parent you grew up with. The old school, new school. Um, dropped out of school. Depends what kind of parent you grew up with. But there is such a mahalach out there. But we know, you know, as as, as enlightened people, as master mechanchem over here, we know that, you know, we're learning, we've gone through uh, the sugis of chinuch in the morning with Evan Shlema. So we know that, of course, that's not the ideal. We know that you don't want your parents, you don't want your kids to listen to because they're terrified of you, because they're quaking and shaking in their boots. Um, Anyway, these days you're never going to pull that off, right? Your kids are not going to be terrified of you, right? Yeah, have to make it terrifying. You know, the teacher <laughs> have to make it terrifying. The teacher, yeah, good luck, good luck. Anyway, um, but but the, the, of course we know that we sense that, that that's not why we want our kids to listen to us. So what's going on with the Rebbeinu Shalom? That's why the Rebbeinu Shalom is trying to the, the whole teicha with the the um, the the forty-eight over here and the the ninety some odd in Kisavoy are there for. Hashem to scare us into submission, but what what else are they doing? What else is this? And then I'm gonna do this and this. I'm gonna let you have this and this and this and this and that goes on and on and on and on and on. All the crazy things that are gonna happen. What, what's the part? So the part's like this. The Torah, both places where we have the Torah, both in Bechukais and Kisavai, is quite clear that what is the what is the Torah? <coughs> it's a bris. It's a bris. The Teichach is called a bris. A covenant. Very good. It's a fancy word. It's a fancy word. A covenant. The Teichach is called a bris. A treaty. A pact. It's called a pact. What does that mean? The Teichach is a pact. It's a covenant. Obviously a covenant between us and God. A treaty between us and God. A very interesting form for a covenant to take. very interesting kind of pact, right? The Teichach, the curses... And calamities that are being prophesied are a pact, a deal, a, a covenant, a, 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 you know, a bris between us and Hashem. And why do we need a bris? So the, why do we need a bris? Why do we need a covenant? We had a bris already by, I don't mean the bris mila bris, I mean, you know, a, a treaty, an arrangement between us and Hashem. We had one by Harsinai originally, by Mantoiro, but the Rishonim say... It's a physical reminder. Now I'm talking about the bris milah. I'm not talking about bris milah. Okay. I'm talking about bris in the sense of a covenant, a treaty. The the curses are, are referred to in the Torah. Elu divrei bris. These are the the words, the matter of the covenant, the pact that Hashem established between Himself and the Jews. The, the curses in this parsha. So what does that mean? They're a pact, and why do we need a pact? We had a pact already. We made a deal with Hashem by Har Sinai. And by Har Sinai, there was already a bris. There was a bris at Har Sinai by Kabbalah Satar, which is coming up in, in less than three weeks. In, actually, in two weeks, right? Yeah, two, weeks. two weeks from tonight. Two weeks from tonight is, is Har Sinai, Maimon Har Sinai. When the Jews stood at Har Sinai, they made a, entered into a covenant with God, a pact, a treaty, that, you know, we're here for you, God, and you're there for us. Now, the Jews broke that pact the first time around. By Har Sinai, they broke it. Where did they break it? Eagle. By the Egel Azov. There was a bris, and, and the Pesukim say, where, 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 where was the bris made? It was made at, at Harsinai. This is Moshe 
Shechted the carbon, he sprinkled blood on Kleisot there in in, uh, in the end of Parshas Mishpatim. That uh, that was, was going backwards as before Matan That there was a treaty, there was a covenant, a pact between the Jews and God. The Jews broke it. They broke it. They reneged on the treaty, and as a result, God wanted to destroy Klai Yisrael. They oh, mixing up all the time. We know it's the Rav did that. The but they slept the Yidden too. They slept in the Yidden. They started it. They started, but they slept in the Yidden. Yeah, they slept everybody in. So um, we broke that treaty. We broke it, and as a result, uh, the Rebbeinu wanted to break Klai Yisrael. How can you make a treaty and renege on it? You make a pact and you renege on it. We were really deserving of 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 annihilation, of extermination. We were deserving of being wiped off the map, and that's what Hashem wanted to do. Moshe was able to intercede on our behalf. Moshe had all kinds of arguments. It's going to make a chil Hashem, and look what everyone's going to say. So Moshe was able to go ahead and plea, plead on Klai Yisrael's behalf and get Hashem to to change his mind. But really, we were deserving of of, of total destruction. We were were because we broke the treaty, and Hashem had no choice but to destroy us because this was an unbreakable pact, unbreakable bond, and we we broke it. So we have to make another bond. We have to make another pact. We have to make another treaty with Hashem. Because the first one, we broke. But we have to make a second treaty now, a renewed bris, at Harsinai, in this week's parsha, that is going to be built off of and learning from the mistakes of the first time around. I mean, we see that Kleisel is capable of, of, of going back on their word. We saw that already. We saw that at Harsinai the first time around, we made an ego. And that bris was structured in such a way that it, that, that that it's unbreakable. And you've tried breaking it, you have you have withdrawn from the bris, and and, and you have to be destroyed. And that's why Kleiso really was deserving of death. We have to make a renewed bris the second time around. Excuse me, that will not allow that to happen. And this is where the Taichacha comes in. Where the Taichacha really is, Rabbi Sai. All the curses and all the awful, horrific prophecies that are said over here and in Kisavai are not scare tactics. They're not the Rebbeinu Shalalem trying to shake us up and frighten us into listening. No, to the contrary. The arichus, the length of of detail that the Torah gets into, and Turkey is going on and on and on. In, in the Torah, how much Hashem is going to punish us, and how much Hashem is going to really slam us and let us have it and throw the books at us. It, no, no, we started already. So it's it's the Torah is what is showing us what is showing us the extent. To which HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to go to keep us in the covenant, to keep us in that treaty, to remain connected with us. It's an unbreakable bond that can't be broken. As opposed to the unbreakable treaty that was broken the first time around. And since we broke it, we were, we were deserving of complete destruction by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The second time around, it's unbreakable, it can't be broken. How is it going to be unbreakable in a way that can't be broken? 
what's the bond? It's a bond between Akash Baruch and Klai Yisrael. It's a bond that says that you, Klai Yisrael, you're my chosen nation. You're mine. Which means you're stuck with me and I'm stuck with you. And as the Psukim say, I will never despise you, I will never expel you, and I will never get rid of you. I'm never going to trade you in front of another nation, and I'm never going to destroy you, nor will I ever abandon you. It's an unbreakable bris that HaKadosh Baruch is saying, we are stuck with each other for life. And not till death do we part. After death, we're never going to part. There is no death to Klaistro. We're stuck to each other. I'm stuck with you, says HaKadosh Baruch and you're stuck with me. That's the bris. Now, one moment. If, if it's an unbreakable bris, and Hashem is saying, I'm not going to rebuke you, I'm not going re- to repel you, I'm not going to spit you out, I'm not going to be disgusted with you, I- I'm, I'm always going to be your God, you're always going to be my nation. What do we taka do if Klai really goes way, 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 way off? What do we do? If Klai goes way off the deep end and they get into some real, real trouble, like another ego, which is which is which is a, certainly a potential, like a terrible avers, which if they happen once, they can happen again. What's the what, 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 how do we how do we create a bridge in such a way that the Rebbeim Medid is always stuck with us and and we're and, and, and we're stuck with him with the Taichacha, with the Taichacha. What's the Taichacha? The Taichacha is showing us the extent to which Hakadosh Baruch is willing to go to get us back. How far Kosh Baruch is willing to, to go in terms of how much he's going to punish us and how badly he's going to beat us up in order to get us back again. Meaning, if the Rebbein wasn't stuck with us, if he didn't make this treaty, this pact, this which was unbreakable, this, this wrist the second time around, which can no longer be broken, not like the first time around, which we almost got destroyed. Now Hashem says, I don't want that to happen again. I'm going to make a new bris. You guys can't get destroyed anymore. You can't be abandoned anymore. You can't be forsaken anymore. How do we make sure that we're not going to be forsaken by the Rebbeinu from saying the following? Such a beautiful idea, which puts the entire Teichah in a completely different light. The Rebbeinu is saying, no matter how far you guys go, I'm going to chase you down to get you back. Even if you do the, the most awful, horrendous crimes in the book, even if you do the most Shrek Luchavirus, there's never going to be a point where I say, okay, Hatzlacha Rabba, Shabbat Shalom. Have a good life. Have a good time. That's it. I'm, I'm done with you. I'm done with you. No. The Rebunshim is saying, no matter how far you drift, I'm going to be right behind you to beat you up more and to beat you up more and to beat you up more. And I'm going to keep throwing it at you. And I'm going to keep slamming you. I'm going to keep punishing you as far as you go in order to get you back. The, the punishments are what, it, it, what makes us redeemable. The punishments and Akash Baruch giving us increasing levels of... Of, of, of rebuke and and suffering is really in fact nothing more than a Baruch Hu saying that's how far I'm willing to go to get you back and, and this is really a pasuk of the Torah this, the, this keeps saying this again and again and again here in B'chuk it says this in, 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 in Kisavai also a similar Lashen if you still won't listen if you're still not going to listen even after you know what, what, what we just talked about you're gonna fall before your enemies. You're gonna you're gonna suffer. You're gonna have awful skin conditions, awful fevers. They're not gonna get cured. If you're still not gonna listen to me, says God, I'm gonna punish you even worse. If what? If you're still not gonna listen to me, I'm gonna punish you even more. I'm gonna punish you even worse. 
if you're still not going to listen to me. If you're still not going to listen, I'm going to punish you even worse. But it's not an oy oy oy, what is it? It's the, it's the biggest what? It's the biggest, it's the biggest, it's the biggest guarantee. And, 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 and the, the biggest sign to us that the bris is indeed unbreakable, that the cabinet with HaKadosh Baruch Hu is irrevocable. You can have a child who makes his parents nuts. You can have a kid who completely disobeys, disrespects his parents. And as much as the parents love him, as much as the parents try to discipline him, he just, again, gets worse and worse and worse and worse, as much as they try to discipline him, as much as they try to rein him in. So a good parent, a loving parent, will persist, will, 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 will have to punish, will have to discipline. That's part of having to raise a child a child that you love. But there comes a point where a parent will just get so exasperated. <clears throat> the kid really just pushes it. You know, as much as the parent invests in the child, as much as the parent tries to raise the kid, as much as he tries to, to be a proper parent, yes, through, through discipline, through punishments, he sees the kid is just incorrigible, cannot be, is beyond repair. As much as the parent tries, what's the parent going to do at a certain <clears throat> point? He's, he's, he's just going to get fed up. He's going to get completely frustrated and he's gonna say enough Listen, I disown you I disown you you're not my son anymore just find somewhere else to live I, I can't have you around me anymore I tried and I tried and I tried I'm writing you off I'm disowning you you're not my son these things happen these things happen with the best of parents these things happen with the, the most loving parents when there's just issues going on with the child that as much as the parent really tries doing the parental role and punishing and disciplining, the kid just keeps getting increasingly worse. It is quite conceivable and it does happen. It does happen. The parent will throw up their arms in frustration, exasperation, and say, Genugshain, that's it. Azov, Azafti, right? I'm done. I quit. I quit. I disown you. You're not my son anymore. This happens. This cannot happen because of the Taichacha. This can never happen between us and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that's exactly what the Taichacha is. The Taichacha is the bris that locks us into HaKadosh Baruch Hu saying, yes, there was an eagle, and yes, I was about to destroy you, but we're ne- ne- not going to let that happen again. We're never going to have a bris that can again be broken because the Taichacha is now the bris. The Taichacha is the very bris of saying, as far as you go, says the Rebbe I'm right there, right behind you. I'm right behind you to punish you more, to punish you more, to punish you more, to punish you more. I'm never going to give up until you come back. I'm never going to disown you. I'm never going to abandon you. I'm never going to be disgusted in, with, with you or never going to despise you. And that shows up in the form of, 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 of all the clubs. So now, taking a step back, we asked, what's this disproportion between the brachas and the klalas? How can Akash Baruch be so much more into the the fear into the into the into the punishments into the suffering it's it's fakir rabbi say the brachas get ten psukim that's amazing it's beautiful ten half psukim of, of brachas and then we have thirty psukim of what of a bris of a covenant of how far Kodesh Baruch is going to go to chase us down and just how determined the rebbeinu shalolim is to never give up on us that's 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 an amazing beautiful idea and this is be'etzim what the teich is all about. So that's one idea. In our remaining time, I'll explore one more idea quickly over here. Quick idea also within the Taichacham. 
it's interesting that if we focus in on the specifics of the Teichacha, we find a, a famous idea that has to produce a question. Why, why do we get the brachas? The brachas come for what? What do the brachas come for? If you listen to my mitzvah, says the Rebbeishim, says the Rebbeishim, and you go b'chukaisai, then you'll get all the brachas. And and there's conversely, we have im b'chukaisai tim asu. You'll get the close, the teichachah. So if you go in my chukais, you'll get the brachas. If you reject my chukais, if you discuss, despise them, then you're going to get the teichachah. What is this referring to? The chukaisai teilechu. It's referring to what? There's a famous Rashi over here. What? Shatiwa melim ba Torah. Should be toiling. Toiling in Torah. That's right. Toiling in Torah. Famous, famous Rashi. What does Rashi say? The chukaisai teilechu. Shatiwa melim ba Torah. When do you get all the mitzvah? When do you get all the brachas? If we are, if we are toiling in Torah, <coughs> if we toil, we have amelus. We learn Torah with what? What does it mean to toil in Torah? We learn Torah with Schwitz. Schwitz. Bezeas apecha. Schwitz. The Schwitz, right? Yeah. Schwitz. That's right. That's an excellent one. That's right. So we learn. If we learn Torah with with diligence, with effort, we're going to get all the all, all the brachas. When do we get the klalos for? Well, when we go off the derech, when we're not going to do the mitzvahs, we get the klalos for not learning Torah with diligence, not learning Torah with effort, not learning Torah with all of our kayach. Then we get the teichacha. So that's that's interesting. <clears throat> that's a little scary. And the question's got to be asked over here. What, what what really? What's going on over here? We're not talking about yin that are mamish bums and off the derech. That's not who's getting the teichacha. That's not who's getting the, the who's getting the teichacha. You know who's getting the teichacha? People that are yin that are keeping the Torah. They're just not learning with amelus. And not only that, yin they're keeping the Torah and learning Torah, but not learning with amelus. Not learning with all of their energy. Not learning with all their kayak, Not learning with all of their shvitz. That's who gets the Teichacha. That's who gets the Teichacha. That's very scary. And you want, you want to hear a beautiful proof that, you know, we, we think to ourselves, oh, who gets the Teichacha? All the, you know, the Reformed Jews, the Conservative Jews, the Yidden that are off the death, not us. No, we're, we're from Yidden, right? Teichacha's not for us, it's for them. You know, Rabbi Isai, part of the Teichacha, it says, it says that uh, one of the curses in the Teichacha is that when you go out to bury your dead, the, the, um, your enemy's going to wait, be waiting to ambush you and they're going to pounce on you and kill you when you go out to bury your dead. That's one of the psukim in the Teichacha. Okay, so far so good? Yeah. So there's a Rashi over there that says, that says, what are we talking about when you go out to bury your dead? I mean, if you know the guy we're waiting to ambush you, so, so um, I don't know, bury the dead in the backyard or, or just keep the, you keep the dead in the house, right? Why are you going out to bury them if you know the guy we're lighting and waiting to ambush you? Bring soldiers. Bring soldiers. So you know what Rashi says? Crazy Rashi. Rashi says, why are you going out to bury the dead if the guy we're waiting to ambush you? Because the halacha is, you can't leave a corpse overnight in Yerushalayim without burying him. That's the halacha. The halacha is, there's a din of, of, of uh, halanas ames. You can't leave a corpse overnight in Jerusalem. We're talking about Yidin and Yerushalayim. And you can't leave a corpse overnight. So we're going to have to go out to bury the corpse in the base of Kvaris. And the, the guy are going to be waiting to ambush us. So who, who are we talking about in the Teichah? Who's getting the Teichah? Kleisel that are keeping Dikduke halachas, Yidin that are keeping this halacha of not keeping a mace overnight in Yushalayim. 
That's who's getting the Teichachah. That's crazy, right? That's who's getting the Teichachah, right? We're talking about even they're keeping all the halachas. I they're keeping this halacha that you halonas hames. That's who's getting the Teichachah. Why? Because we're now learning Ba'amelus. What's going on over here? Why is it that when we don't learn Ba'amelus, we get such a crazy Teichachah? So let's sh- shift sideways for a moment. I want to look at the Teichachah very quickly. If we look at the Teichachah itself and we analyze all of the curses and the calamities and catastrophes, there's a common theme that really runs through all of these curses. What's the common theme? What do you see again and again and again throughout the Teichachah? What are types of curses that you get in the Teichachah? It says things like what? What? Bodily harm. But we see a lot of psukim with the same kind of theme. It says that you're going to plant. You're going to plant a lot and you're not going to get any crops. It's not going to grow. Or it will grow. Your enemy's going to harvest it. You're going to raise cattle and your enemy's going to slaughter it. Women are going to make bread. It's not going to satisfy anyone. You're going to seven women are going to have to bake bread together and it's not going to fill anyone up. Exactly. What? We're going to work for nothing. You see this again and again and again and again, that we're going to work and work and work and invest in something and it's going to blow up in our faces. And what's the most extreme form of that? What's the what's the worst, the, the, the most hideous, awful curse that's in the Teichacha? The one that's like, the, the one that takes the cake. What? Consuming your own kids. It says that conditions are going to be so dire that parents are going to have to consume their own kids. Cool. Parents are going to have to consume their kids. But if you think about it, this is just... The most extreme form of what? Of you not getting to enjoy your, your, your labors. If you think about it, right? Planting a lot of wheat and it not growing. Or it growing and the enemy taking it. Or the enemy's taking your, 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 um, any, other, any of the other, your labors, the fruits of your labors. The worst form of that is eating your own kids. Because a person invests in his kids, he raises his kids, he gives everything into his kids. And because he wants to see his kids develop into their own families and their own, they have their own, Hatzlacha, give the parent nachas. Parent invests in his kid just for that kid to end up, let's just say it's very gruesome, very morbid, for that kid to end up as a meal for the parent, for lunch for the parent, go right back to the parents. That's the worst form of your energies and investments going nowhere, blowing up in your face. It's, but it's all the same idea. So what's the teichel about, Rabbi Yisai? The teichel is all about investments going nowhere. Me working really hard on something and not getting anything out of that. What's the mita connect It's so clear and so obvious. If we don't know where to invest, Mita Kanagamita, our investments aren't going to go anywhere. If we don't know where we're really supposed to be investing. We invest with our energy, we invest with our kayak, we invest with our with passion. Our real investments are where we put our energy, our power, and our passion, where we really come to life, where we light up. Says the Rebbeinu if you're investing yourselves in the real investments, in Torah, not just learning, but Amelim, you're working hard, you're schwitzing, you're putting your investments in the right place. You're putting all your power and energy there. Everything's going to go great. Your, your, your physical, material investments are also going to pay off for you. If you can invest, your Iker Kayach goes into Torah, I'm going to make sure all of your material, physical investments, your, your worldly investments will also work out okay. If you're not going to be invested in your learning, you're not going to put your Kayach there, you're not going to schwitz over there, then your energy is going to blow up in your face. All of your investments are going to go there because you don't know where to invest. You don't know the real investments to make. This is the Mita Kanegami, the Teichacha, a very scary but powerful idea. The Rebbein should always be Mazakas with the ability to, to learn Torah with Hasmada, with Ava, with Cheshik, with passion, to invest in our learning, to learn about Amelis. 
and we should see HaKadosh Baruch Hu giving us amazing returns on all of our investments, our learning, and our Ruchnius and our Gashmius. L'chaim Taim L'shamu Kachadus.